This podcast is all about reinventing your takeout delivery and catering business with innovations and ideas that break the status quo. With over 40 years of restaurant, hospitality, and franchisee experience, host TJ Shire and Sam Stanovich will interview top industry leaders to help you advance your off-premise business to the next level. This is the Takeout Delivery and Catering Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome to the Takeout Delivery and Catering Podcast show. We've got an awesome guest today, and this episode is going to focus on menu innovation and how it relates to takeout delivery and catering, food safety. We're also going to hit on menu innovation, packaging, and how to leverage social media to drive sales. And then we're actually going to talk about wings and ghost kitchens and how this brand's moving into that crowded market. Before I bring on the guest, I'd like to bring on my co-host, Sam Stanovich, to introduce our new guest. Good day, TJ, and thank you very much. It's another exciting podcast, and I'm super excited to have my friend Carl from Fazoli's on the show today. It's been an amazing year for Fazoli's. 2020 has been a culmination of years of hard work, strategy, and determination. Just TJ in 2020 accolades include the 2020 Excellence in Food Safety, which is near and dear to all of our hearts, but uh, I can't wait to talk to Carl about that. Fast Casual named Carl one of the top 25 leaders on its 2020 Top 100 Movers and Shakers list. The brand has earned honors as one of the top 75 brands. Following its Fast Casual wins, Fazoli's earned the three gold Stevie Awards during the 18th Annual American Business Awards. And for the second year in a row, the brand won a Gold Stevie Award for Company of the Year in the food and beverage category. And Carl was honored for achievement in management. Fazoli's also received a Golden Stevie Award for Human Resources of the Year, which I know, TJ, Human Resources is near and dear to your heart and my heart uh, because we know it's all about the teams. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce Carl Howard, to talk about his background and Fazoli's, and welcome to the show, Carl. Oh, thank you, Sam. It's great to be on, and uh, good to catch up with you again. You know, Carl, uh, back in my days with the NRAs, we used to get to spend a lot more time together, and um, gotten to know you really closely over the years, and, and, and just kudos, my friend, and congratulations to you and the team down at Fazoli's. Yeah, thank you, and uh, I think the last word, team, is really important. We have such a great team, and uh, you know, a lot of the awards, all the awards we won, whether it has my name or somebody else's, it was team effort for sure. And uh, the team's done just a fantastic job thriving through this uh, crisis and pandemic that we're all dealing with. Yeah, it's remarkable how you have taken the brand and the concept. And and I know a lot of the folks down at Fasoli's and they're just a great group for our industry, uh, the leadership and thought leadership. But let's dive right into into the topic because we've got a lot to talk about today uh, with TJ. And uh, I want to hit right off the bat on food safety because I know you and I talk a lot about it. And it's paramount in this new world order. And congratulations again on the 2020 Excellence in Food Safety Award. So let's discuss that strategy you you deployed over the years down at Fazoli's. Well, as you said, food safety is paramount. I mean, the, the most important role that I have is to make sure that I keep our guests and employees safe. And we take that uh, very seriously. And I can remember all the way back into the training department of uh, a restaurant chain called Damon's. I was running the training department. 
and was on the verge of get, getting my uh, sanitarian license. So I was teaching uh, Surf Safe, and and you know, so I, I've been involved in making sure that our brands are safe and wholesome for years and it means a lot to me and you know when i'm in the restaurants yeah i mean i've got my eyes open for what's going on in those areas and you know covid only uh, put more focus on making sure that your restaurants are up to speed and and uh, as safe as possible with covid in the world order that we're in were there any specific initiatives that you added on or, or something that you can tell our listeners that, hey, this is something that you should be pinpointed on or an add-on that they could walk away from here today? Yeah, so, I mean, we jumped on a lot of things early. So I think in the industry, everybody's doing a fairly good job, you know, with masks and plexiglass uh, dividers in between ordering stations and, uh, you know, other areas. You know, from the first day, we knew masks were going to be important, so we we jumped on masks. We ordered a lot of gloves. Uh, we do transitional and transaction wipes. So every time uh, you, we give you your change back, your credit card back, we hand you a sanitation wipe to wash your hands. We have uh, multiple sanitation stations around our uh, dine-in facility and our back of the house. Then we actually have a table set up in all of our restaurants too, where they have extra masks and extra sanitation wipes for the guests and they can just help themselves to those. What a great suggestion, handing back with the change or a credit card an individual wipe. Are you using the the little disposable actual physical wipes or are you using the packs of of single-use gels uh, for them to use? Yeah, so it's a a pack of uh, a single-use wipe. Great. Yeah, it kills 99% of all bacteria and germs. You know, we, we had just done our recent series with the National Restaurant Association show and boot camp, and it's uh, re-energizing to hear the the additional steps that you've taken and even creating that sanitation station with masks. I think that's uh, forward thinking, and a lot of people were a little gun-shy putting them out, but uh, I, kudos to you guys on that. Those, those are two great suggestions right off the bat. Any other uh, suggestions that you may have to re-energize the audience when it comes to food safety, holistically thinking about the environment we're in? Yeah. So one of the things that, uh, you know, we do is we, we, we have top of the hour clean and then every 20 minute clean. So uh, we have an egg timer that goes off every 20 minutes and everybody uh, does a real quick wipe down and changes their, washes their hands and change their gloves. And at the top of every hour, we actually will have the, the radio that's playing or the music that's playing in our restaurants say, you know, for the next two minutes, uh, we'll stop taking orders and we will be uh, wiping down all of our stations, washing all of our hands and coming out and, and sanitizing all the tables. And so we do that at the top of the uh, every hour. It's called the two minute drill. Uh, and, you know, I, I think the guests see what we're doing and, and I think that's the critical part of it. So we track every word that uh, from a COVID standpoint. So if it's gloves, masks, cleanliness, dirty, clean. Uh, we get all those comments at 4 a.m. So uh, we uh, utilize a company called Yax. They, they rank you your one to two stars and then your three stars and four to five. But then we can also slice and dice it so we can actually get words that are being said. So we actually have a COVID tracker and we get it every morning. So if we fail in a, a location, I mean, I know first thing in the morning and so does our ops team. And we, you know, we address those with a, a large sense of urgency. So if it's a company restaurant and we failed in a COVID uh, um, piece, we want an area supervisor there that day and 
if it's a franchise location, we have to have our FBC deployed in 48 hours. Man, that's incredible. I really haven't heard any of those suggestions. I love the radio suggestion. I love the sense of urgency that you're showing. Um, you know, Carl, I live in Dallas, and uh, there's just not a lot of Fazoli's around where I am. So for the benefit of the audience, as we kind of move into the menu section, can you give a little overview of what Fazoli's is all about in case somebody's not familiar with them? Sure. So Fazoli's, the easiest way to explain it is we're a little olive garden. Uh, we're about half the size and half the price. Uh, but I would put our food quality up against theirs anytime they want to go one-on-one plate for plate. I'd be more than happy to do so. So, uh, you know, our average uh, per person expenditure is around seven seventy-five. Uh, so it's, you know, really affordable experience. We worked really hard on our food quality over the last 10 years. Uh, you, you know, the one uh, really advantage, and it's really helped us out during this time period, just the fact of having a drive-through and how valuable that is. But, you know, there's been a lot of other pieces we've done to stimulate sales, but, you know, certainly uh, a, a drive throughs helped us. So we're, we're a little Olive Garden with the drive through Yeah, I think that's a great, uh, great way to describe it. And you're, you're really probably the, the one and only Italian fast casual with a drive through that's been able to succeed and continue to grow. So kudos on that. What we're, We talk a lot about meal kits and family meals and those kind of things and uh, food photos and, and stuff like that for people to drive their takeout business. What have you guys experienced or what have you done in that value category or things to improve your app or your website to lead to some of these sales results we've seen? Yeah. So, you know, value is really one of the, the four pieces of the chair legs for us. Uh, we put together something a little bold because we don't make a lot of profit on this item, but it drew a lot of people to our locations. So in early May, we rolled out a super family meal for $19.99. And what you get for a super family meal is a whole pepperoni pizza, a bucket of fettuccine Alfredo, a bucket of spaghetti and meat sauce or um, marinara, 16 breadsticks and a gallon of tea or lemonade. And, you know, it could really serve four people twice during that day. We're selling a couple thousands of those a day uh, in our 200 restaurants. And, uh, you know, it's we get a lot of mention on social media saying thank you because it's such an extreme value. And it's also a very convenience item. You can order one thing for 20 bucks and it can feed the whole family. Wow. Now, because you've built these value meals and the, these kits, what has it done in terms of packaging? Because I've heard you say some additional uh, packaging ideas and options um, to help serve that. And how does that translate it, especially with the drive-through? Sure. So really over the course of the last year, uh, we've been working on reformulating and reworking all of our packaging as more and more business moves to off-premise, whether that's delivery or all the other variables, drive-through, curbside catering. And we wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, that there wasn't any issues with our packaging when the guests got their order, whether it was brought to them or they went through our drive-thru and picked it up and went home. So we uh, <clears throat> went to really secure leak-proof packaging and it's made a gigantic difference. It's a little more expensive, but, uh, you know, the complaint reduction has dropped dramatically in the, the number of, uh, you know, packaging related issues. We really don't have any uh, at this point. So we really looked at every single package, reworked every single package. And, you know, the tough thing now actually really is availability. So, you know, for a while we couldn't get pizza boxes. Um, so you know, you're dealing with different things, but 
you know, we, we took a you know strategic plan to really upgrade all of our off-premise last year, and that was something that we knocked out, and it was perfect timing. Has this changed your catering packaging as well? You know, there's a lot of discussion in the industry about single serve, and you know, we've heard a lot from operators how they've catering has eliminated the pans of food coming in. Has that affected your business? And if so, is have you changed the packaging to kind of address that to individuals? Yeah. So, you know, during COVID catering certainly has taken a drop and a hit to our our catering business. So uh, there's just not as many offices ordering in, but yes, adding uh, single items that you can order that come in single package is important versus just only offering pans of food where a lot of people have got their hands and and, um, their mouths nearby and, and, you know, they're, they're touching the product. We still offer that, but you have the ability to order single items on our catering menu. And we've really done it, added all of our family meal options to our catering menu as well. So Carl, it seems like you guys have done a great job repackaging, reformatting because the blurred lines really are between catering and group ordering. And it's, it's kind of all one in the same these days, but I also understand you guys have wing on, in the brand now. Can you talk to a little bit about that? Sure. So we started Wing On a year ago in our uh, Tate's Creek location, which is in Lexington, Kentucky. And we just started at the beginning on DoorDash and we were doing okay. And then we expanded to the other providers and it, it did pretty well. So we went to five other locations. They, they all did uh, very well. Uh, we found out we needed to rebrand it, so it's now actually referred to as Wingville. Um, we're going through the trademarking process for Wingville right now. Changed all of our packaging and uh, uh, logos and websites and everything else over to Wingville. So we now have that in the majority of all of our company locations. The company locations, we are down to 14. Those will be rolling out in the next two weeks. And then we have some of our franchisees that are now coming on board and then our goal is to have uh, by quarter two of next year all franchise locations on Wingville, and it's a really fast return on investment because you're using existing space, and you know the return on investment is anywhere between four and six months, depending on you know your top line and how much volume you're doing. And you know since it's done so well for us, we've actually are expanding other internal restaurants or ghost brands that we're working on right now. We're working on uh, three other ones are all in the development stage to uh, go into test. Well, since you brought that up, what are if you're allowed to talk about those things, um, it looked like you made the move into Atlanta. What what are some of the learnings about moving into ghost kitchens? Yeah, so, you know, you ghost kitchen, virtual kitchen. So we're kind of in a virtual kitchen down in Atlanta. And I mean, that would be, it's its own brand inside with another 15 or 20 brands selling product out of that location. So our franchisee down there, Mike Lackawanda, is doing a great job, keeps building sales every week. But it's not uh, the same as I would refer to as a ghost kitchen, which to me means you're operating a second brand inside your same facility. And I think that's where the big opportunity lies for many groups. And, you know, I give credit to Brinker for understanding that as well. Uh, I think they've built now, I think that's $120 million brand of annual sales that they built with their wing concept. Uh, but you, you've got space, uh, you've got people that are definitely looking for more variety and wanting to order, and you need to be able to meet their needs with some other products besides your own if you really want to maximize your sales per square foot in your restaurant. So obviously do what, 
do what you're comfortable with, but there's a lot of opportunity for you to have more than just a Fazoli's. You could have a Fazoli's, a wing bill, and then we believe anywhere between one or two other concepts uh, running simultaneously inside the brand. You know, there, this is great innovation and, and things for people to think about. I, I want to take a step back with Wingville as it's going to, and how has curbside impacted the brand based on your footprint? Because as you have drive-through and curbside, you've got a lot of vehicles moving around. How are you managing that? Yeah, so uh, when somebody places a, a curbside order on their app or through the desktop, uh, there's a sign, and we tell them to dial this number when they arrive. And when they arrive, they dial that number. It plays a chime on the phone. It has a completely different sound, so we know that's curbside. Uh, we just do a quick check of the vehicle. We have the bag. We know the bag's identified with the vehicle, and then we run the food out to them. So it's something that we added just in the last 90 days as an option for our consumers because our drive-throughs are, you know, they're getting quite busy. I mean, it's nothing for us to have a dozen cars or so stacked in the drive-through. And this is just a, another way to place your product. And, you know, we're even working on where you just, you can place your product and you can say, I want to pick it up in the drive-through if you don't want to get out of your car. In general, my philosophy has always been the same because I think convenience is a really important attribute uh, during this whole COVID experience that we're living in. And, you know, any possible way a consumer can order your product and any possible way the consumer can receive your product, you need to be doing that or you're going to be losing sales. So whether it's curbside, drive-through, delivery, catering, uh, you know, mobile app orders, we have pronto pickup so you can actually place your order and come in and, and pick it up out of a designated area. So I just, from the consumer standpoint, any way that they can think about ordering it, we have the option, whether it's tablet or desktop, they call in on the phone, they go through the drive-through, uh, they use their mobile app, and then any way they can receive it, I just want to be able to provide it. I think right now, there's nothing that we're missing. I think we've now completed that uh, quest. So I want to ask a question on the curbside. You had mentioned that the customer pulls up, they dial a number, and then there's a, a chime. Is that chime in the restaurant? Yeah. Um, yes. Or is they, are they just calling the main number for the restaurant, or are they calling a different number? No, so it's a different number, but it rings into, you know, we're on an internet phone system, so we can make that number when the phone rings instead of having its normal ringtone. Okay. It has kind of a funky sound, and you know that that's a curbside pickup. Ah, so does somebody actually answer it or it just makes that sound and then they go out? Yeah, so it, what it'll do when you call that, it'll say, thank you. Uh, we know you're here. We'll be out with your order shortly. Oh, wow. That is great. Is that done through a, a, a specific technology company? Yeah, so uh, our IT department is fantastic. We've really put a lot of uh, effort into our IT department. And uh, they've been working on um, our entire phone system and then automated orders, whether it's for you calling in and placing your order uh, you know, we're working on and I must have completed now to where you can just hit four for a uh, to-go order. And it's just a bot that will walk you through the process. And we're actually uh, getting close to having that finalized in the drive-through also. So, but yes, it goes through an internet phone system and we're working on a lot of voice technology right now. Wow. And you're doing that internally, huh? Yeah. So, you know, they may bring somebody on that helps us, um, through the process. But yeah, for the most part, we're doing all that internally. 
That is some pretty cool stuff. I think, Sam, you, you and I have heard so many different things that that was one of those that we haven't heard before, which is just amazing. And Carl, I, I have a drive through in my one Witch Witch restaurant that I have, and I've seen my business kind of flip to, you know, from 30% drive through to 70. And I also had the luxury to work with uh, Pal Sudden Service uh, as a training consultant for a while. And those guys, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but they run 200 cars an hour through a drive through. And I am. Yeah, it's a, I, I had to kind of redo my drive through and kind of figure out how to get the orders in quicker. I know at Chick fil A, we've seen people out there taking orders, Chipotle's putting in Chipotle lanes and anything specifically that you've had to do in the drive through to really kind of help speed up the process now that you have all these different people just coming in to pick up and man, it's, it's crazy these days. Yeah, absolutely. So we have made some changes out in the drive through and we actually finished a, a consumer study based on the drive through and why they were using us and what they want and what they wanted to see different. Uh, so we've got people out in our drive through during peak periods, handing out breadsticks. In fact, like in Olive Garden, you know, we provide endless breadsticks in the dine-in. And we don't have waiters or waitresses, so somebody walks around. So every third run, we send them through the drive through or at least every 15 minutes, someone's in the drive through handing out breadsticks. As far as tablets go, you know, I, w- the way I view it is by next spring, all restaurants uh, on the company side will be on tablets and more franchise locations will. Uh, we will not make that a requirement, but a recommendation. Uh, the, the, the getting a secured Wi-Fi line is really the, the cost. I mean, we're spending about three thousand dollars to uh, you know, get a tablet to secured system out there. We also need to provide some type of cool, hot space for them, so during the winter they don't freeze, and during the summer they don't melt out there. So, you know, we're going to be all in around five thousand a store, and we could probably do it right now. It's just we've got so many other initiatives going on. We have tablets in 10 of our uh, 51 company locations, and we're very happy with how they're doing. And what we do is we go five cars back from the speaker. So the cars at the speaker, uh, we're normally a a five drive-through, so we go five cars back, so we've got 10 orders placed. Actually helps the kitchen, especially if it's like a whole pizza. We're not a pizza restaurant, but we do sell whole pizza, so... Uh, it does uh, help with time of meal delivery because we can get those fired earlier. But uh, I, I believe that outside order takers is going to be something that doesn't go away. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting it rolled out to all of our locations. Carl, that that is great customer service. I love the idea of bringing out the breadsticks in the stack. Uh, it makes me want to drive and, and go hang out in, in Fazoli drive throughs more more frequently. Has that with all these innovations, has it come to a lot of activity and engagement with social media? Has that helped driven all of these new innovations? Has that helped driven the social media activity for the brand as well? Yeah. So when you're you're doing well and you're creating new things, you got a lot of things that you can uh, put out on social media and keep the consumer engaged with all the different activities that you're working on. So. I mean, that's certainly stimulated a, a lot of our activity. I mean, again, another department that we've uh, have addressed and, and added significant resources over the last uh, 24 months. And we have a really strong social media team. And so, yes, uh, but you have to have something positive. You know, you have to have something to talk about. And, uh, you know, we, we've done a, the, a good job the team has providing our social media team with the you know good good notes and good options and uh to talk about the brand in a positive light but 
you know, I'll go back to the handing out breadsticks in the drive-thru. One of the smartest things that we did during this whole COVID piece, because what we learned was people going through the drive-thru, we do not provide endless breadsticks. And this was a way for them to get more breadsticks and actually also maybe a little bite to eat while they were waiting in line. And, you know, that turned out to be a really good call for us. But, but yeah, you were pretty active on social media right now. That's awesome. You know, one of the things that I, I want to go way back to, uh, you, you said you used to run a training department and it, I love having been in the training field and then part of the chart training organization forever. It's great to hear CEOs come up through the training ranks because often it's just finance or marketing and sometimes HR or ops. So that's awesome. I think you really understand that ops is training and vice versa. So what sort of advice would you give to our listeners in the casual dining or fast casual to really think about how to move their off-premise strategy forward? Yeah. So um, again, as it relates to off-premise, you're not providing every knowable way that a consumer can order or receive your product. You need to be working on that. So again, whether it's curbside delivery, call ahead orders that you have a set aside so they can just come in and grab, but convenience with your mobile app, making your mobile app really easy. So it's you know, one touch to get in the cart and it's easy to check out and they remember your order. I mean, having a really smart mobile app is important as well. But, you know, from the training standpoint and the people standpoint, so I actually grew up through ops and at one point in time got promoted into our training department where I think they're just trying to figure out what to do with me next. And, you know, I was there for about 18 months before I got promoted to an area supervisor and uh, you know, we uh, take our, our people piece extremely serious. I'm not saying that everybody doesn't, but it, it's, I have a discovery day later today at one o'clock. And when I say what I expect from you, the very first line where I say what I expect from you is to take care of your people. And I said, if you treat your people well, from your general manager, all the way down to the guy who's, or gal who's uh, washing dishes, take care of your people, say please and thank you. Understand that that's hard work. I grew up in operations. I used to have uh, an old Camaro, but I had a garbage bag over my seat because I would be helping the dishwasher knock out plates at the night so I could get out of there before two in the morning. And so these guys and gals work extremely hard, and it's really important to you know treat them with respect and understand that they are the ones that are interacting with the consumer. And a smiley, happy face goes a lot longer and farther with your guests than someone that has a scour that's not happy. So we put a lot of effort into that. And, you know, I'm, I'm pleased to say that I, I can't remember the last time the brand's ever had a third party complaint or an OSHA issue or a third party lawsuit or an employee lawsuit. I just don't remember. And I've been with the brand for 12 years. I, I, I don't remember us being in that situation for at least the last 10 because when I walked in, we had some opportunities and we've changed that culture around. And I think it's a big part of our success. Well, I think when you build such a strong foundation on culture and it's so exciting and it's always refreshing to hear it when, when you see brands that are succeeding, it's just paramount to that foundation because it's going to allow you to do these extra things. So what advice would you give an operator who's thinking about ghost kitchen? So we've hit the, the foundation. We know it's all about people, but say they're going to, they're looking at other opportunities and don't want to invest in that brick and mortar and are thinking of these ghost kitchens. What advice could you give to them as they're thinking strategy? Yeah. So I think it's a, um, a big opportunity for a lot of brands to run a, a second brand inside your location. 
my advice would be not to deviate too far off of what you're doing. So unless you're buying another brand, so there's brands out there who are actually now selling a version of their brand in a ghost kitchen. And it's something that we're actually talking about doing it internally at Fazoli's. But so for us, we know that wings, we went to wings and so some other brands, wings are in high demand right now. So we went to an area that we know that gets a, a lot of orders and gets a lot of attention. There's a lot of uh, success stories out there and some wing concepts. I mean, wing stuff's been killing it for 10 years. Uh, so to, you know, that, that seemed like a natural way for us to go. Uh, you know, we did a great job with our, we got a ventless oven, meaning we, it doesn't have to sit underneath the hood. And it's not an oven; it's a fryer. It's a broaster to fry the wings, and uh, you know, so it's a desktop piece of a, equipment. And you know, we we get a whole wing bill open for under ten thousand dollars. So it's not a huge investment. So I would play around with some different ideas, like we have, uh, test them, and once you feel good about one, start you know, expand them at a couple at a time, and. Once you got it down, I would say go for it because more and more guests are ordering food through one of the third-party delivery organizations, and um, they're looking for variety, and to be able to offer more than just your existing brand can go a long way. That's just terrific advice, Carl, and, and a strategy in which they could deploy that extra. I, I'm going to shift gears here before we wrap up and, and, and have to ask the macro uh, million-dollar question here. What do you see on the horizon next for our industry? Mm. So, you know, we are um, living in unique times for, for sure. So, you know, it's hard to project out 30 days, let alone six months or 12 months. But we really need to get some more relief and support for the restaurants that aren't doing well or what we're going to experience is a large amount of closures to continue and the whole footprint to get smaller. And there's some brands that need help and some brands that don't. We did not take a PPP loan. So we didn't need the funds. We were doing well. We were very fortunate, but there's still brands out there where that first PPP loan did not get them through because they still haven't fully recovered. And you know, the, the government really does need to help out our industry um, or it's going to be really choppy for the next uh, 90 days to six months or even longer. That is uh, some great points, and it is unprecedented times. But there are winners, and it is amazing the stuff that you guys are doing. Uh, TJ, as, as we move into the final, what what are you thinking about on for today's episode? I, I wish I could limit it to just three things. I, there were so many very practical, cost-effective things to do, such as you know, looking at a broaster to do your wings to get into a, a second uh, brand, if that makes sense for you. The detail that Carl provided about how to move your drive-through a little faster, and I'd never really even thought about having making sure you have secured Wi-Fi out there, and you know the outdoor scenario. You just you see brands like Chick Fil A that are massive doing this, and you think, wow, this must cost a fortune, but it really doesn't. And then I think that the phone chime that you brought up, the social media, having something to talk about. And then the thing that I really loved was having that safety check broadcast on the radio that's uh, going on in the restaurant that the guests hear. So again, it's just another way to communicate to your guests that you are serious about safety and sanitation because that builds trust and trust is the foundation of being successful. So those were the things that I took away from it. 
You know, I, I would agree with you on all the points. I, I've got a whole note sheet here of things that I want to do and in, in my operations that I've learned from today. And I think it's down to the small details of of giving back hand sanitizer after you're making change and having that sanitation station set up. And, and as you mentioned, the chime, but I'm also re-energized hearing the success and talking about the foundation of people. And I think in today's times, we were distracted with all the things going on and rightfully so. But at the end of the day, Carl, I think you said it best. You got to take care of the people in the system because they're going to take care of the customer and always top of mind. And I'm just humbled to have the conversation with you today, Carl. Just absolutely fascinating. And, And TJ, like you listed, we've got more than three apiece. Yeah. Again, Carl, thank you so much. You were so open and so sharing. It's just an honor to have you on the podcast. We've had such an array of people on here. And I think from the top, you really gave our audience things that they can do, no matter if they're a single unit operator, a franchisee or a large brand. So thank you very much for sharing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, This has been an honor for me. So, you know, Sam and TJ, thanks very much for uh, considering uh, Fazoli's and for me to be on your podcast. And it was enjoyable. Time flies. It's amazing how quick the last half hour went. And, uh, you know, thank you so much again for having me on. Awesome. Well, thanks, audience, for listening as well. We've got more exciting episodes coming up. I'm not sure how we're going to top this one, but I know Sam and I have got a number of great guests lined up to hit some other areas around packaging and culture and some things that we touched on today to really take what Carl talked about a little bit further. So again, everybody, thanks again for visiting and listening to the Takeout Delivery and Catering Podcast, and we'll see you soon. Make sure to catch this show on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you listen to your podcast.